Hello, everybody. Welcome to A Court of Books and Booze, our basement book club, where together we're going to summarize the current book that we've all been separately reading and dive into a discussion on all the questions and hypotheses that have plagued us through our journeys. Each episode will be about a new book. I'm Skylar, also known as The Skywalker, and I am joined today by my beautiful wife, Jessica. Hey. And our lovely best friend, Amanda. Hello. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Wonderful. How are you? It's been a stressful night so far, so <laughs> who knew that recording could cause so many, so many stressors? Everybody, everybody knew that. Yeah, well, I've never, I've never been behind the control panel before, so. Just think how easy it's going to be, like, moving forward. Like, we're troubleshooting so many things that we'll be like, you know what, do we go through this, 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 and this? It's not that okay. Call Jeremy. Call Jeremy. <laughs> That's always the answer. It's called Jeremy. <laughs> how was your guys' week? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> About like that. Uh, I don't personally. I think I've had the busiest two weeks that I've had in a very long time. Like, work is just crazy, super busy. I coach soccer, and that's coming to an end. So it's all these little detail things and postseason stuff. And it's just so much all at once. And it's just, and I'm getting married or something like that, I heard. So. Yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> so, I will be married by the time this releases, but I think we're down to like 50 days as of oh today. Oh my gosh. Bizarre. So, are we sticking with Napier or are we sticking with March? If anything, I'm going to hyphenate because I like my name. So, I think he should just change his, honestly. Oh, I think for he real. should too. It's 2022, and it sounds cooler, honestly. You'll never not be the Napiers. <laughs> never. <laughs> it's a running joke in the house. Are the Napiers coming over? It's not the Marts. Sorry, Nick. Nope. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for me, it's been it's been real quiet at work, real dead. I've been by myself in my office quite a lot, so it's just it's been long and dragging. So I'm kind of just at that point of this week. Well, I know you both are. Um... Not entirely happy with me because we haven't started book three in the series that we're reading, um, A Throne of Glass. Well, Throne of Glass, not A Throne of Glass, but, you know, once we get these recordings out of the way and all that fun stuff, we'll we'll finally jump into book three and be way more ready to record next time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, since we haven't been reading, like it's, it's been a minute, and it's I think it's pushing me early into my seasonal depression or something i'm not sure but so i've been catching up on all golden mojo podcasts because you know there's a f quite a few of them so i'm not i'm not reading so i've just been listening to podcasts catching up i was a lot listening to the call guys the other day and gunner and colton they were you know talking back and forth and colton was talking about something about um with his kid and you know, how he's picking up on things and just learning from what the parents are doing. And Gunner makes a comment and says, well, don't send him to hang out with the Goldens because he'll never learn his right from his left. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I thought that was just a Skylar thing because I make fun of you for that all the time. And it turns out it's your whole family. And I had no idea. Oh, yeah, it's it's it is everybody. And it is. That's debatable. 
because it's not me, and our daughter doesn't get the concept yet, <laughs> for the most part, being two. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's everybody. I just found that interesting. I was like, I make fun of Skylar for that all the time, for not knowing his right from his left. He literally has to put his hands up, and even then, he still gets it wrong. <laughs> it's totally Skylar, for sure, 100%. Yeah, and yeah, he made that comment. I was like, huh. Maybe it's not just Skylar. <laughs> oh, it's bad. It, it's bad enough that I text my sister and I was like, hey, I need an L and an R tattoo on my arm so I can just look and know. And she's like, that's fine, but you have to do mine. Well, <laughs> well that that was the end of that. Cause... Family tattoo, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> she's done two of my three. And she did a really good job, but I just, I've never had that want to uh, tattoo anybody. <laughs> and she's like, no, you got to do, you got to do mine on my right hand because I can't tattoo with my left. Well, that might be special for her, you know, tattoo mm-hmm. with your handwriting. I mean, people do that. Yeah, that's true. So. It doesn't matter if it's straight. Probably won't be. No, there's no <laughs> way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys ready to get into it? Talk about Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Moss. Let's go, let's go. Sounds good. First book in the Throne of Glass series. Yeah, I'm, I've been looking forward to having a condensed conversation about this for a week. <laughs> so I want to give everybody a quick kind of breakdown of the episode flow real quick, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong because I'm running this from the top of my head. We're going to do the synopsis, and then we're going to kind of go over our questions and hypotheses and just, you know, have our have our fun little discussion about it, argument maybe. And then um, we're going to kind of talk about how we feel and give the book a rating on a scale of what, 1 to 10, you think? Sure. 1 to 5. I think, 1 yeah. to 5? Yeah, one to five. five too. Yeah. We can do one to five. That's a common rating system for books. Okay. Yeah. Get in it. <laughs> Throwing hands in here. <laughs> All right. So I believe Miss Jessica, Mrs. Jessica, is going to. Uh... <laughs> Mrs. Jessica, can you please read us a story? Is going to uh, give us the synopsis on the first book. (laughs) Okay, so Throne of Glass is a high fantasy novel set in a realm called Aurelia. It's about a teenage assassin, Selena Sardothian. The book starts with Selena in a slave camp called Endovier, the place that she was put when authorities caught her a year prior. At the start of the book, she's being escorted by the royal captain of the guard, K.L. Westfall, to go have an audience with the crown prince, um, Dorian Havilliard. Prince Dorian is offering Selena a chance to be his pawn in the running to become the new king's champion, which is essentially someone to do the king's dirty work and quote-unquote, take care of the people that need to disappear. She will be competing against 23 men, a variety of other assassins, thieves, um, 
you know, no do-gooders, essentially. Uh, if she wins the competition, in exchange for her services, she'll be released as a free woman in what was supposed to be six years, but she got it down to four years with some bartering. Um, she ultimately agrees, and they head off to Rifthold, the capital city of the kingdom of Adderlin. So Lena begins her training and preparation under the alias of Lillian Gordana. That, sure. Yeah, that pronunciation work. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, as the king does not want anyone to know that um, Adderlin's assassin, as Selena was known before she was caught, was a young woman. As time goes on, weird things start happening in the castle, which indicates the possible return of magic, even though the king had banned magic from Adderlin ten years ago. Um, along with the intense training to get her body back into top shape, mentally preparing for each upcoming test against the other competitors, and navigating the fun, growing feelings for both Dorian and Kaol. Selena also starts to then investigate these strange occurrences around the castle, especially as they begin to then turn lethal as time goes on. So once the training ceases and the real competition starts, a competitor is found dead before each challenge. Um, as the competition continues, Selena, along with a few other notable characters, end up discovering what the magical craziness is and how it fits in with the castle and some of the other competitors. Um, near the end, the final competition commences between Selena and one of essentially the other main competitor, whose name was Kane. And Selena is poisoned before their match. She barely manages to scrape by, but with some magic help from a past queen and moral help from Kaol, she does end up winning the match and becoming the king's champion. Kane then tries to kill Selena, and Kaol then kills Kane instead before he's able to get to her. The book finishes with Selena telling Dorian she can't be in a relationship with him as the king's champion because the um, those two things just don't quite fit together. And then she signs off on her contract with the king. And that is the end of book one. Kind of book one in a nutshell there. Girl. That was so good. That was fantastic. <laughs> Just so everybody knows, we uh, we sat down a week prior to recording this and tried to record episode one and spent two hours and only made it halfway halfway maybe. through the book. Exactly halfway through the book. Can I just say like how fast this all came about, though? Like We decided to read this book together. Like Jess and Skye were reading it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that seems interesting. I'll hop in and we'll just all you know read it at the same time, talk about it. We finish it, get super excited, and then all of a sudden it's, hey, do you want to do a podcast? How about next week? So, <laughs> so we have to, less say than we a are, week. to say we are more prepared this time than the last <laughs> recording, I feel, is an understatement. So that was fantastic. Loved it. Oh, thanks. So good. It was a lot more concise than what we what we originally started as episode one. Right. Um, but... But yeah, yeah, but you hit the big points. I mean, there's obviously a lot more detail in between, but go read the book. Go read the book. Yeah. So good. Definitely. And if anybody wants to read along with us, we will be letting you know what book we're doing next and kind of what the time frame is 
for everything if you want to remotely join our book club. We would love that. All right. So let's uh, let's start this discussion, debate. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you guys want to put it, but I'm going to say, first of all, that uh, Selena is a fantastic main character. Uh, she's witty, uh, mm-hmm. strong, independent. I mean, you know, I, I think everything you want from a main character in a book series in itself. But Strong-willed, badass. You know. Yeah. Yeah, she's That's a little spitfire. Right. I, I really liked her, especially from the get-go. Like, I mean, those characteristics came out so fast, especially, you know, when she's talking to the, the crown prince. She really doesn't shy back from who she is and how sarcastic she can be. And I, I, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, she's very, very relatable, very likable. Yeah. Well, and that continues in her conversations with most everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, with such a quick synopsis, we we do miss kind of touching on some of the lesser characters. Uh, yeah. Duke Parrington's introduced in, in the first chapter, and he just, he's the king's uh, right hand. Mm-hmm. And the dude is just a dick. Uh, when he's first introduced, he slams uh, Selena's face into the floor. And we just see more and more of that as the book goes on. He's demanding respect at that point and just acting like a complete ass. But he also happens to be um, the main villain of the book's sponsor, and that being Kane. So we, we get a lot of... Uh, insight into him as that as the book goes on dude's just not a good guy i mean and he you know the whole um situation with caltaine as well and there are like three good guys in this book (laughs) right and that's kale dorian and knox (laughs) good guys good people i mean you can there's a lot of morally gray there's a lot of morally gray things. There's not a That's lot what I'm of saying. So straight. She, she's closest to Dorian and Kale, right? And you see that really, those relationships progress throughout the book. But Kale, who's captain of the guard, has a has to keep reminding himself, like, dude, you get along with her, you like her, but she is an assassin. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the readers also feel that way too. Yeah. Because she is the main character, and you're seeing everything from her point of view, and you really like her, but you're just like, dude, she kills people for a living. Like, that's why she's here. Yeah. So I was like, mm, maybe I shouldn't feel this way. <laughs> but I still like her. It's it's conflicting, you know? Yeah, definitely. I can definitely see that. I don't know. I think it kind of surprised me of how normal she was. I mean, like, she was just going through life like a normal girl. Like, you were reading it like it was just another character. Yeah. But then you did forget those moments where, like, yeah, she's got no problem like flipping that switch and killing somebody. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's like at one point she talks about it, she's like, "Oh, I love clothes." Yeah, and I'm so <laughs> jealous of all these other girls and their fancy clothes. That one, that one detail just threw me so often in the book. How when she finally got to the castle and they were setting her up with her alias and getting her all these new clothes and and everything and she was just like 
relishing in the fabrics and the looks of these things. And I'm just like, this just seems so strange for your personality. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, you know, she's an assassin, but you also have to keep in mind she's an 18 year old girl. Right. And she was, we do get detail about her background a little bit in the book about how she grew up being trained as an assassin. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was picked up by the King of Assassins when she was eight, Mm -hmm. I think is what they mentioned. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure that luxuries like that weren't a common thing for what she was training to do and Mm -hmm. how she grew up. So, but again, she's catching me, pulling my heartstrings, making me feel for this girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, I mean, let's, you know, Let's talk Selena and Dorian's relationship a little bit just to kind of to touch on this topic because it's it's such like a big key factor in this whole book. And at the end of it, it's just kind of like, oh, that's it. We're done. No more. I mean, how does that how do you guys feel about that? I think he easily forgot she was an assassin. I mean, he's putting himself in harm's way with this person who could literally kill him at any point in time. Well, and I mean that's that's KL's big thing. This whole this right. whole book, he's like, stop hey, being stupid. Yeah, she's an assassin. She can kill you with no problem. Yeah. Get away, go I away. Just, I just think he was so infatuated by her that he really did not care. I think a lot of it, it just maybe the way that I took it was that there are so many women that were constantly flocking to him. He probably. Partly because his looks, probably a lot because his status, um, and that was constant. So this one person that that could give it and take it as far as you know the her wit and her sarcasm and all of that, you know, I'm sure it was refreshing to him. And who didn't didn't bow to him just because of who he was and actually just was genuine i think that i think that was probably a lot of it probably a lot of why he latched on to her you know what i did wonder though as i as their relationship went on it's no secret that dorian and his dad do not get along right Uh, oh totally yeah not not on the same page whatsoever couldn't be further apart in their demeanors right so when he went to indovier to approach Selena about the whole proposition and the competition, mm-hmm. he stated that he did it because he knew it would annoy his father. Like, this is, you know, yeah. Ardalyn's assassin, this 18-year-old girl, whatever. There's only small portions in the book where it switches over to Dorian's point of view. Mm-hmm. I slightly wonder if he started getting closer to her to annoy his father. I don't think he thought it was going to go as far as it did or that he'd actually like her, but I do wonder if it started that way. Especially because there were, I mean, just in the original um, first time that we meet the king in the book, it's right after they get to Rifthold and and Kale's getting Selena set up in her rooms and so Dorian goes and has the meeting with the king, his mm-hmm. dad. And there were at least twice within that meeting, he's like, stay away from her. She's no good, you know. Right. Stay back. Leave her alone, you know. So 
I mean, that very well could have been a part of it. I'm just going, yeah. well. I just wonder. Because like you said, like, yeah. you, you're never told. Like, there's, like you said, there's only very small portions where it flips. Mm-hmm. And even so, it's only maybe a couple pages. I don't know. Well, yeah. and I, th- I think another big point of this push of him being so infatuated with Selena is because, you know, they write him as kind of that womanizer and, you know, he's sleeping around with a lot of different people. And so it's, it's easier to be like, Oh, he's so in, he's so in love with her because, you know, she wants us to like that character specifically and and kind of look past everything else that might've been going on Mm -hmm. before. Which, I mean, you know, with Throne of Glass, we don't get a lot of backstory. It's it's really just about the the time during this tournament. Yes, it, there's just little pieces here and there, and I feel like you're kind of left to put the puzzle pieces together as they come. Um, but they don't come all at once. It doesn't start like, oh, yeah, this is what happened, and this is how she grew up, and now here she is. So it's just little little moments in the present that she talks about her past or yeah. you know, other characters talk about their past. So, And even then, it's conversation between two characters, so it's just what the character wants to reveal at that time. So you're not yeah. even getting the full picture of everything that actually went on or if it's just a... Limited version. Yeah, I... This book was real... Real slow. In the fact that, you know, we didn't learn a lot about any of the characters until, what, maybe the last third of the book? Yeah, probably. starting to kind of reveal everything. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it left a lot of room for questioning room for interpretation at that point i think there the book as a whole did not have like all the puzzle pieces to fill to fit in for like the picture mm-hmm. the, like the grand picture of things which i mean makes sense it's an eight book series which is we're like, gonna yeah. get a lot more information yeah. as um we continue on it definitely did leave those yeah plot holes that i'm sure we'll mm-hmm. we'll get i had to keep thinking that too because something would come up and i'd be like what the hell is that supposed to mean yeah <laughs> yeah there were and so i was like okay points. just trust that you're gonna figure it out they're gonna tell you it's all gonna piece together it's a long series so but there were so many moments where i was just what what mm-hmm. okay cool moving on well moving on let's talk about everybody's favorite character Nehemia. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. I think we all agree on that at least, right? Well, yeah. Really? <laughs> I mean, she's great. We know she's yours. She's wonderful. She's awesome. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. She was just, I thought she was probably the best written character in this book. Um, You know, she's introduced. She's walking with... Uh, Caltain. Caltain, which bitch. I know we haven't talked about yet, but what a bitch. None yeah. of us think very highly of that character. We'll get there. Yeah. Um and she just she locks on to Selena and 
they instantly become best friends, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we'd come to find out she's the, the princess of uh, Elway. Elway, which is one of the territories that's been overthrown by Adderlin. Mm-hmm. So she's there on some diplomatic, which we find out isn't isn't necessarily the cause. So what do you guys think of, think of her part in this whole book? I kind of felt bad for her character, honestly, because I felt like she had come to the kingdom trying to do what she could for her own kingdom, for her own homeland, and was just doing the best she could, but wasn't taken seriously about anything that she believed in, anything that, you know, rooted from her people. And I mean, she had mentioned that she was there at the request of her father to learn their ways. Mm hmm. I don't know. I mean, she obviously didn't want to be there. She didn't like anybody that was hanging around her, like showing her around until she met Selena. Mm -hmm. But I felt like Selena was almost like the closest thing to home that she could get. She found that friendship in her and really latched on. But I really did feel bad for her because no one was listening to her. She was just kind of, she was just there. Yeah, like she... She is a princess, and she was there on, you know, sent by her father. And so, yeah, she she was supposed to be able to, you know, be a part of, you know, when they held court and things like that, to be able to stand in and, and hear things and give her thoughts on things. But you're right, nobody paid attention, nobody listened, nobody really cared, or I think sometimes even let her know when they were having meetings. Oh, yeah. Um. But you're right. She they just she kind of did just latch on to Selena, um, because Selena was able to speak her language, um, from learning it from other prisoners that were from Elway when she was in Indovier. So you're right. It probably was the closest thing to home because mm-hmm. she actually could fully communicate with her at right. that point. Yeah. So I mean, do you guys feel? Like when Sarah J. Moss writes these books that she purposefully kind of makes the male characters peg down the females a little bit. Because, you know, we see it with Selena and Nehemia where the the king and his whole court are like, you know, we don't want to know that anybody to know that you're Adderlin's assassin because you're a young female. And then they kind of exclude Nehemia from from everything do you think that has to do with the fact that i mean the king just comes off as a sexist prick (laughs) i think for the time that this is set in yes because that i mean to me i would think that was i think that that was what was normalized granted i don't know for sure but i mean I mean, I think it was, I think it's just the king and who he is as a person because we, we get the feeling so far the entire time that he is just, he's a dick. He's not a good person. Like he, you know, we get that feel about him. Um, so I don't think it's surprising, you know, coming from him that that's, what he has to say about Selena and keeping her 
um, identity a secret. I don't think that that's surprising that his entire um, king's court is all men and then who subsequently they choose as all their champion prospects are all men. Um, I think that that's just, you know, he's, he's the big bad ruler right now. So that's, that's who he keeps as his company and who he puts in prominent roles. Um, you know, I, I don't know that past rulers or, you know, maybe depending on how the story ends up going, future rulers or anything like that, um, that it would be that way. I do. I think it's, I think it's the person. I'm going to say both because I think that he's on a power trip. Yeah. So totally. it's whatever I want to do. But this book does give me very much Game of Thrones vibes in the sense that, you know, yeah. it's always been men and it's going to continue to be that way because that's how we always done it. So that when I read this book, that's the feeling that I get. So I guess I just naturally assume that, oh, it's just we're set in our ways. So mm. and it's always been yeah male i don't know hmm. but i could be wrong oh, i think so. i think that's a that's a great assessment from both of you fair way to look at it yeah just you know as as somebody who at this point has read multiple sarah j moss series i just i kind of find that she always seems to have that one character who's like um you know i own this what? person who's under me or and we'll get into that much much later i'm sure but mm-hmm. um so nehemia um we find out is kind of a supporter of the elway rebels right and this uh, this is i think a, a a really interesting plot point that i i really wanted to talk about with you guys and that's when she gets the news that the king of Adderland killed the 500 rebels. Thoughts? Opinions? That wasn't book one, right? <laughs> That's what I'm literally thinking right now. Yeah. It, it was, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, okay, so when that happened, what what were you thinking? Oh, I mean, I was, I was devastated for Nehemia because, I mean... I think that's the point where we see we almost saw a big flip in her her character. You know, she became that less kind of chill, uh, for lack of a better term, badass princess and, you know, really kind of started to show her hand a little bit. But it's such a, I mean, it's such a big plot point that I didn't want to, I didn't just want to brush over it. I just kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit. So, I would read this just so I would know. But part of me wants a, I don't know if book is the word, but some type of point of view from the king's perspective. Because he goes on this trip with all these men. This big massacre happens where he kills 500 Elway people. He comes back with none of his guards. Yeah. I want to know what happened. Because you don't find out, except that, yeah, these people died. In this book, we don't find out. I say, maybe I'll learn. Yeah. But I want to know. 
I want to know now. Well, he's super secretive about it, too. Won't even tell his, his K-all. Yeah. The, the captain of the guard. Won't tell Dorian. Yeah, super secretive about the whole it's thing. It's sketchy. Super sketchy. So I just want to know what happened. Yeah. I really do. And it's... We might find out later. I know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but that, I mean, that is a question. This is what, one of my what, what the hell moments. Happened? I don't any, know. Any guesses? I I couldn't even. I really don't even know. Yeah, I wouldn't even know where to start to guess. I think uh, we're maybe just... maybe he didn't massacre them all. Maybe he sent them all to work in the salt mines. No, I think he killed them. What about you? Think he killed all? Well, okay. His men. Yeah. Well, maybe. Maybe they think... saw things that they weren't supposed to see. I don't think. He... Well, no, I meant like you thought he sent his men to the salt mines. Like, no. Nah. I wouldn't doubt it. They do, like I said, he's not. Kind of an he's ass. not a good dude. <laughs> True, but then why would he be all weird about it? I don't know. Was he really weird about it though? Didn't he just kind of like strut back in and be like, "I don't have to tell oh, you anything." Yep. Well, yeah. true. Things happen. I guess I think mass secrecy is weird. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he has you know an ulterior motive that we just. Haven't uncovered yet. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out about the soldiers. Maybe we won't. Guess we'll just have to see. I'm going to be pissed if we don't, though. Yeah. <laughs> You'll need her to write a novella just from the kids. No joke. I'm going to write her a strongly worded letter. <laughs> hey, um, I personally need this, so if you could just send it to me, thanks. <laughs> or just tell me what happened. I also have another mm-hmm. leering question. So, when Selena comes for the competition, okay, mm-hmm. she's given this alias because no, they don't want anyone to know who she is, right? Mm-hmm. But obviously, like Dorian and Kale knows, Philippa, her personal—I don't want to call her a servant because she's not really her servant. She's just Philippa who helps her. You know, get her clothes her and whatever. There you go. There we go. Philippa knows her real identity. The king knows. Then we find out that Parrington knows. Well, and the guards know. Right. Okay. Then Parrington, we find out Parrington knows. He then tells Kane. Yeah. Then Parrington also tells Caltaine, who then turns around and she's the one that drugs her before her last competition. Yeah. And I'm just like, hmm, does everyone in the court know? Yeah, who actually doesn't know. Right. Because it made it seem like this was this big secret, but then all these people are coming out like, yeah, I know who you are, yeah, I know who you are, blah, blah, blah. And I understand why certain people had to know, but then I was just like, man, is there anyone that doesn't know in this place? Because, like... <laughs> like, what's the point of well, this? Well, I mean, to be fair, though, Caltaine didn't know until, like, Parent. five chapters before the end of the book. Right. So mm-hmm. it, right. it must have been a pretty well-kept secret because she was you know she was flirting with everyone who was high up in the courts mm-hmm. right <laughs> facts <laughs> bitch yeah <laughs> for real i Not literally cannot stand her dorian hated her kaol hated her Ugh. selena hated her nehemia hated her we all hate her yeah so <laughs> but it was just man i thought this is 
this big secret, but yeah. maybe maybe all these people know. And well, if they were in the in the court, I mean, but granted, like you we just talked about, the king's not shy from keeping secrets from the people he's supposed to trust. For real. But well, then again, in the setting, everyone wants power, so who can you trust? Well, I think during one of the games doesn't, I mean, she doesn't say it outright, but doesn't Selena essentially tell Knox? Who yes, she is? yes, yes, yes. Yeah, right when the one of the last competitors dies and she tells him he needs to leave. Yeah, she essentially it's, obviously alludes to who she is and he's right. like uh, yeah, he gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In a roundabout way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. But yeah, I'm just curious, like Yeah. It's supposed to be this big secret, but everyone seems to know, which whatever. And after she signed the contract and stuff, she obviously had to sign it other under her real name. Mm-hmm. So unless the king is the only one that sees that contract, but now that because she wins at the the competition at the mm-hmm. end of the series, so once she wins, does it come out that she's, or is that still hush hush because she's female and we don't want people to know that? I don't know. Secrets. They're keeping secrets from the readers. I wonder if... I would think that they would get rid of at least the alias, even if he still keeps his champion being a woman secretive. But I don't get how they could, you know, if... Yeah. Because this was spectated. People were watching. Weren't people watching? No, 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 no. I think it was just just his court. His court, yeah. Okay. Because I think they told people that all the competitors were just visiting from other countries. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I I think it was just the court of the 23 or however many. Yeah. That makes more sense. But. hmm. Well, another big plot point that we haven't really got to go into is her tapestry and the oh that did happen didn't it (laughs) this this is where this book got a little strange for me because you know they they speak about magic and and all this stuff at the beginning of the book and then it just kind of dies out and then at some point it's just like bam here's a weird shadow creature here's magic again it's supposed to be gone, but it's not. Blah blah blah. Yeah, it was all it, these different things happening that all tied together yeah. towards the end. Yeah, well, and I mean that's the big, that's a big thing. That's a, the big question. I think that we're left with um, is because magic was supposed to be eradicated essentially ten years ago. You know, everything was banned about it, and it eventually just di- disappeared. Um, but now we're seeing little bits of it still showing up in things and so it's like was it actually eradicated you know has it been around all this time is it just coming back what why is it showing up now especially in all these different ways um you know i think that's a big question is what's what's really going on with the magic of the realm facts so 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 anyway she she figures out this tapestry in her room has a secret passageway, essentially to the sewers of the castle, right? It yeah, like underground tunnels of if, the old. Is it the old castle, right? Yeah, they're in the stone castle beneath the glass castle. 
is where her room is. Yeah, picture that, readers. Yeah. <laughs> castle on top of a castle, right? Wish that I had that kind of money. <laughs> yeah, Castles but would you castles. would you build a castle out of glass? No, that just sounds stupid. <laughs> okay, Selena. It does. It does. <laughs> She's not wrong. She's not wrong. It's like those really cool plexiglass things where you can just like, you know, you can't quite see through it. <laughs> you just make out shapes on the other side. You know what it immediately makes me think of there? <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever watched Squid Games when that came out on Netflix. Yeah. Okay, so that, that one challenge where they're like one's glass and then one's like whatever the oh. other thing is. And if you step on the glass one, you fall through. Yeah. That's immediately what I think of when I think of a glass <laughs> castle. It's like someone could have just really screwed up. Like a slave was just really pissed off and then didn't put this together properly and you're just falling through <laughs> i'm just saying oh man so yeah the you know she finds behind this tapestry in her room that there is a secret tunnel underneath the stone castle and it forks off in a couple different directions and one of them leads out out of the castle down to like the sewer area and so she keeps that in mind as a possible escape route for the future, mm-hmm. um, whether she needs to get out during this competition or whether she decides to cut and run after hopefully winning, inevitably winning at this point, um, or what. So she keeps that kind of in her back pocket. Yeah. And uh, she finds one of the other routes goes to what a lookout above like the ballroom. Is yeah, because right? they were in the middle Correct. of a dance at that yep. point. Yeah. Yeah, she goes down there at one point while there's a dance going on for what, the, essentially their Halloween, I believe. It was Yulemas, right? It was, oh, it was Yulemas. Okay, so essentially their Christmas. Yulemas. It was Yulemas. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. No, I believe it was the first one. Because she went to the Yulemas ball, didn't she? Uh I don't know. There were two balls. She went to one, didn't go to one. Yeah, she went to like the the Day of the Dead celebration where she figured out where this tunnel was. Yeah, okay. And then the third tunnel went down to a tomb that had some sarcophagus. Sarcophagi. Dun, dun, dun. In it. <laughs> and who, who and was in was it? Skylar? Yeah. It was Elena and Giordano. I don't remember the first the king. The king. What was his name, Amanda? The very first king. That was his name. <laughs> See, I, your highness. I I want to say. <laughs> Did it start with a G? <laughs> I'm pretty sure his it name. With a G. His name was Gavin. Garrett. His name was Garrett. <laughs> His name wasn't Garrett, though, really, was it? It's the most, like, was... 21st century name. It's fine. <laughs> it's not that far off from Gavin, okay? Gavin. See, I always want to say Brennan, and I know that's not right, because Brennan was... Brennan. Brennan was the, yeah, the no. villain to the first king yeah. and queen. No, it was Gavin. It was Gavin, not it was Garrett. Ga- it was Gavin. I like Garrett, though. That was funny. Oh, man. But yeah, Gavin and Elena. Yeah, so she stumbles upon this tomb, and um, 
it's obviously been forgotten about. She walks in, the walls are all decorated with what they call word marks, which are the magic markings of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and the king's armor and sword are just sitting there. So, like, these ancient family heirlooms are just sitting in this burial chamber of the, the king and queen. Do you think that the they, you know, built the new castle on top of their tombs intentionally? That's a good question. I mean, they're the first king and queen, but the queen is from a country known for magic. Granted, this is well before. Well, and she's it's she's been, half fae too, right? Yeah. Right. Granted, this is well before it's been, you know, not allowed magic, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good question. I don't... Without getting into, like, book two theories and, and stuff, you know, I... I don't think... I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. What do you think? You think they built it over it on purpose? Yeah. Yeah. Well, as much as they, you know, have these big ceremonies as respect for the dead and things like that, I just think that to push them, like, down underneath where no one's going to find them or get to them and they're just completely forgotten about, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that they're trying to hide them even more than they're already hidden. Do we know why? Well, no. we no. know that towards the end of the book that Kane is also using the tunnels. Because that's yeah, where he has... Yeah, but he's he bad has, guy. He's bad guy. That's where he has the Ritter Act. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we know, unless he somehow stumbled upon them too, that... Right, because we do... Someone led, them to, led him to them. Right, right, which makes me think... Because we don't, they don't really talk about it in book one. Mm-hmm. Because all you find out is that Cain is the one summoning the Ritterac that is now killing all these people. Yes. Once, and these people, competitors, are used as a sacrifice. Once this monster indulges in the sacrifice, Cain then gets all their strength, which makes him super strong. And Selena even makes a comment about how every week she sees him, he just looks bigger and bigger, like muscular-wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense once you find that out. But like you said, someone had to have shown him, right? The tunnels and yeah. all this stuff. Do you think Parrington showed him? That's his sponsor. I without getting into book two. Yeah, see this this is where this is where we kind of blur lines because pretend you, you know, don't know. <laughs> if if I had just finished reading book one. I would say yes. I think Parrington showed him the tunnels. And that's tricky for me because my my initial um, perspective of Parrington is that he is dumber than a box of rocks. That's what I thought too. So <laughs> I would not have thought that he he would be leading anyone anywhere. I know it's just suspicious because like yeah. he, oh totally. I mean, he found 
like knows all these things Mm -hmm. about how to open that gate to the other world with the word marks. Yeah. Knows about the Ritterac and how to control it. Finds a place like down in the tunnels, right? Mm -hmm. But then they don't really talk about the court or the king or anyone knowing anything. So you're like, does he know all this on his own? Did this come from somewhere else, like outside? Did did he learn it from someone else? I don't know. And if so, then where? We we really don't talk about it in book one. No. So that leaves a lot of questions, too, because if he knows about this kind of stuff, someone else does, too. Totally. Totally. Like I said, it's a long series. Yeah, I, I I almost feel like this is the point where we like, we need to end this specific topic because... We're going to cover book two. Yeah. These are all the million questions that pop in my head as I'm reading book one. And I was so frustrated. And I was like, what the heck? Well, and we knew going into this specific episode that a lot of kind of our questions from book one had already been answered. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, there there are obviously still unanswered questions. You got a long series to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was also, I'm going to make this point. I understood why she did it, but I was very sad that she ended things with Dorian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I the saw little her face when I mentioned that. The little part. taste of romance in this book is just so good. It's just so good. It's just what my my little baby heart needed. <laughs> Outside all like the competitiveness, and ugh, I get why she did it. I was just really upset. It was just that hint of sweetness. <sighs> I, I'm gonna be totally honest with you. I did not care for that relationship i was not a fan either like i thought it was okay but when you can see that she's got this growth in in closeness and relationship with multiple people you know obviously it's going on with dorian and then it's also growing in sorts with kaol i'm like "Mm." I think I'm a K.L. person at this point. <laughs> I agree, but I think that Dorian helped her be okay with who she is. Yeah. And where she came from, because he did ask those questions mm-hmm. and opened that door of vulnerability for her. Yeah. So I think, in a sense, he was good for her at the time. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't ship her with either of them. I don't care for Dorian. Or KL. But Knox seems cool. Oh my god. I think you just got kicked out of the book club. <laughs> That's like a that'd be a good friend for her, okay? Oh yeah. I mean it's just I KL throughout this whole book comes off as arrogant, cocky, you know. Don't you think he kinda what a has to though? Match. Don't you think he kinda has to? Yeah, I mean, in a sense He does have moments. Plus, I don't think that he, he mentions about having, oh, I don't know if this is book one or book two. I don't think he comes off as cocky or um, however you phrased it. I, I don't think he necessarily comes off as that. I think he comes off as like rigid and by the books. Like, because his, his big thing is his loyalty. It you know his loyalty to Dorian, his loyalty to the kingdom, you know that's that's what he exists for at this point, having come from the background that he came from, you know that's a 
You know what? And that that is a fair way to put it. Because I don't think I there's don't. ever... Like, we see most of this book from Selena's point of view, so I don't think there's ever a moment where he can't be, quote-unquote, quote-unquote, doing his job. Yeah. Where he has to be stern and uptight and... I don't think he's cocky just for the, you know, just to be arrogant just for the sake of arrogance. Yeah. Because I mean, when she is, when Selena is, um, spying on the ball, she sees him laughing with his other guardsmen and yeah. Best guardsmen. Uh, what is it? Reese? (laughs) Ress? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, letting, I hate the pun, but letting his guard down just a little bit. <laughs> you had and to do it, didn't you? I had to. Had to do it. And just relaxing a bit. So, like, yeah, I don't I don't think that that's... I don't know. You you obviously see the relationship between Selena and Cal... Kaol, sorry. Building throughout this entire, this entire book. And them becoming very close as friends. And, mm-hmm. and the whole... The Dorian section of it just felt forced. I mean, you know, I understand it. She's she's looking for for a release, for some fun, whatever, but I think he really fell for her though. Oh, I totally totally agree. I think it broke yeah. his heart when she ended things. Yeah, cuz he was just like, "What do you mean it can't work?" She's like, "Well, well I feel like he was ready to assassin. just He was ready to just give up all of it mm-hmm. like i don't care where she goes i don't care who yeah. says anything he he lost his head entirely for sure yeah which is not the greatest thing to do so love is blind mm. something but i'm excited to see where her ventures go now that she is the king's assassin and to see what this means for yeah. the kingdom and what all we learn. Yeah. I feel like there's so much more to learn about her. So much. So I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, is there is there anything else you guys wanna wanna kinda cover real quick? Mm. No, okay. I think we we pretty much hit like our main points at at this point for book one. It's it's pretty straightforward. Like book one is pretty straightforward from mm-hmm. beginning to end. I think. Yeah, just uh, the one last thing I want to touch on is during the fight with Kane, we do learn that Nehemia can use magic um, via scribing word marks. Word marks, yeah. So that's kind of a big thing. And Selena, when she is fighting Kane, um a word mark starts glowing on her forehead and we don't learn anything about it. What does it mean? Yeah. And that's and just kind of that. Yeah. More it, of the unanswered. Yeah. Those are, that's a lot of questions that this book posed a lot of questions, which I think sets up for the series. Yep. So, Oh, and, uh, Selena is visited by the ghost of Elena, the first queen of Adarlin. Who is half fat. Who is half? Yeah, kind of. That's something we kind of her guide and everything she yeah. needs to do while she's there. Yeah, pretty much. Well, and it's like, and you say ghost, is it spirit? That's I that's, mean, that's, a, that's a really like murky. It's not a ghost, phrasing. but she's not alive either. <laughs> yeah, it's like it. I don't know. 
that's something I've got like major questions on. It's like, what is actually going on with Elena and yeah. her presence and the way she'll just show up sometimes. And I don't know. It's kind of weird. Real curious to see where that goes in her storyline. So, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, as long as that sums up your guys's kind of thoughts on the book itself and we covered everything. What do we rate it? I'm mm. I'm interested to hear what you guys think on a scale of one to five. Just for book overall. Book overall. Amanda, you got a number for me? I'm going to say... I'm going to say a 3.5. It's not bad. It's, a... it's, it's just some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Very... I mean, there were some intense moments, but it, it seemed to little juvenile in some some parts so i'm gonna give it a 3.5 just because i know it can be better yeah and i know it will get better so jessica for those same reasons i'm at like a 3.8 interesting yeah okay here's here's my hot take (laughs) i've been i've been waiting for this for two weeks you've been waiting to rate i have been okay I thought this book was boring as hell. Okay. I just, there's, there's so much dead space between the, uh, competitions and everything. And I get, you know, it's the first book in a series. We're trying to build characters and blah, blah, blah. She was 16 when she wrote it. Right. There still could have been, you know, Instead of glossing over all the competitions, you could have you know, went into detail. You know, there's there was just so much that I feel like we missed. How many competitions did she actually talk about in detail? It's not many. Maybe say three: yeah. the archery, the wall, and then the, the final duel. Yeah. No, the, the poison tasting was in there too. Oh, so four? four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four out of what were they doing? Twelve, something like thirteen that. weeks, fifteen weeks, something like yeah. that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, I mean, I en- I enjoyed the book. Don't get me wrong. You want I, more of the action. I do. I'm, you know, I'm I'm here to for the action. And I understand that, you know, not everything's going to be written that way. Um, so I'm going to give it like a 2.2. 2. And this is this is my my motto from everything else is, you know, keep low expectations and it makes it better. And that's, that's kind of how this, this played out too. You know, I went in maybe with a little bit higher expectations than I should have and didn't care for it as much. Mm. That's fair. Yeah. There's just different preference. Cause I, I like all the background stuff to where I'm asking all these questions, but I understand wanting more action. Cause like you said, we only were told about, a quarter of all the competitions that they did. Right. We don't even know what the other ones were and what they actually did. It's interesting to see people's different perspectives in what they, what they retain out of a book, out of a book, what they want out of a book, what they miss, what they like, what, yeah. Real interesting. And you guys live together. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I specifically went low on this one though. I mean, especially if we're only doing a, a rating out of five, Mm-hmm. You know, I've been thinking for a week that we'd be probably be doing out of 10 or whatever. 
So I might be a little higher than what I say two point two point two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it it was a good book. It it's extremely well written. The characters are are great. It's just the fact that it was very very slow through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a big chunk of it. Well, and that gives you for these subsequent books, it gives you um, room for what you hope is improvement, it seems right. like. So, awesome. Well, Yay. We've, we've got our book ratings in for book one, Throne of Glass. Yeah, guys, go go check it out. Um so, obviously, the next book we're covering is going to be Crown of Midnight. It is the second book in the Throne of Glass series. By Sarah J. Moss. Right. And um, once social media is up and everything, we will be we will be posting all that. Um, I am right in the middle of creating the Facebook pages. So You can read alongside us. Yeah. Join our book club from your own house. <laughs> that was cute don't come to mine <laughs> there's no more room <laughs> Amanda you got anything else to add you guys crushed it today good job yeah back at you good job I'm excited moving forward so this series is going to get crazy heck yeah I'm pumped it's hard to avoid all the TikToks. They're like, oh, throwing the glasses. Gosh. Crazy. Are you on Book Talk yet? Uh, no, I watch her Book Talk. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I love Book Talk. Yep. You want to do any plugs? I do. Uh, always have to do the plugs. So I want to thank everybody for listening to A Court of Books and Booze. I know I'm drinking my Yingling tonight. I think the girls got some Amaretto Sour over there. So <laughs> we're. Uh, we're just chilling, having a good time. Um, if you want to support us, or I'm going to call it the parent company, which is Golden Mojo Entertainment, make sure to go check out the other podcast. We've got the United States of Paranormal, Murd Nerds, The Call Guys, Indiana Chiefs Fans Podcast, and Golden Image Podcast. You can find them all on Facebook as well as every other streaming service. So go yeah. check them out, guys, and we'd really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Girls, we good? We're good. All right. So just remember, guys, we are starting Crown of Midnight, and that will be episode two. So go read it. Check it out. Enjoy it. Let us know what you think. And uh, read with you later. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Bye. Bye.